One, two, three, let's go. You're listening to WJMS Media, where media is reimagined. You can find us on our Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and Twitter. What's up, everyone? It's your girl, Rala Rue. And today I have a special and unique guest. It's EJ. EJ is a drummer, musician, and a music director. EJ, how are you today? Feeling great. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for asking. So, EJ, we have to unravel a lot. You're a drummer, musician, and a music director. Yeah. So I'm guessing that you started with being a drummer first. Yes, that's where it all started. My uh, dad was actually a musician himself. He marched at Harvard, and he was a drummer and bass player. So I kind of got the early roots from him. And uh, he pretty much just let me take it from there. And now he's a pastor. So kind of have the the church background is where it came from. And I just always knew drums was kind of going to be like, my thing going forward is I just stuck with it ever since. Okay. So you, you were inspired to make music through your dad and through mm-hmm. the church. Yeah. I think that's cool. Uh, how would you describe the music that you typically make? So I know with drums it's different because it's not necessarily a melody, but in the mm-hmm. sense it kind of, it can be too. Yeah. Uh, I think the best way I could describe it is like when I'm doing solos or even just like how I play throughout the music, it, it can kind of be interpreted as words with what mm-hmm. I'm playing. Like it can mm-hmm. almost be kind of like rap in a sense when you're doing stuff. Cause like, I feel like a lot of people, at least not your average musicians hear music and they'd be like, it just sounds like a lot of rat tat tat. But like when you're like a drummer or you're a musician, you're actually listening to what I'm playing. It's like, Oh, he's like telling a story kind of, with what he's doing like you kind of want to build your solos to kind of like be they want to speak your dynamics want to be low here you want to be a little bit higher here and let it build up so i think that's really how i would describe it is i'm just trying to do a lot more storytelling than what i do and also let the people see my emotion and how i play as well because like when i'm up there i really feel like i'm in another universe kind of sort of and so like you kind of get a little a little bit of everything that's kind of going on i feel like in my life and then also in the music as well so it's kind of like it's pretty cool to see so how would you create, how would you describe your creative process? If I'm playing, like if somebody called me into a session and what I'm playing, uh, it depends on what the style requires. If it's like gospel music, I know typically because I love gospel music and how long I've been playing it, we have a little more leeway to be more creative sometimes because we have a lot of different styles we implement into this genre. So you can kind of get away with like, it's almost like you're shedding and doing like different stuff that you wouldn't normally do at like a regular paid gig or a recording session. So like, I know if I go into a church or if I go into a gospel gig, oh, I'm gonna have a little more leeway to like, oh, try to kind of stretch the bounds of what I, what all I can do. I can be in like my most creative state. Like I always tell people like church is probably the most energy I use out of anything I play just because like, I know I'm going to be giving a lot of different stuff I don't usually try or like stuff that I just haven't like done before. So it's usually that. But if it's like pop or like rap or anything like that, that I'm playing for an artist, I usually try to like listen to the tracks and see what the people are saying and try to build chops off of their wordplay. Like what, what type of flows they're doing? Should I switch the flow up here with my drums as well and try to go off of what they're doing, but also keep the people's like head bobbing. Like you still want them to be on the, like what the main songs like course is you don't want them to like get off but you also want to give them like that creative like oh he's kind of going with where he's at and they can notice that 
So that kind of is like my creative process when I'm like listening to like different stuff I'm playing. So would you say that's also the way that you would use or that's your unique technique and routines when you're also practicing and rehearsing as well? Oh, definitely. I'm always like whenever I listen to songs or I start practicing, usually I'll play through a song first, just like playing around with it, like listening to everything that's happening in the song and just keep chopping over it. And then I'll play it through kind of straight the first time and like just like actually listen to what's happening and like play it like just kind of regular. And then once I kind of figure out like the combination of both, what all can I actually get away with? Kind of what can I throw in there? Then that's when I kind of start to find my own style and mix of like, and you kind of get what you hear. Okay. What is the most memorable performance of your career and why? I feel like the easy answer would be spring concert because it's the biggest thing we've done yet at UNA. But honestly, I would probably say other than that one, probably the For the Record show we did and back in, I think it was late March. Cause we did, we did, that was the first time we did a uh, Paul Ivy song Carousel and it hasn't been released yet, but nobody had ever heard of it, but it's kind of like, it wasn't built to be what it was, but one day I was practicing at the apartments and thank God we have great neighbors cause I practiced a lot, <laughs> but I was practicing over his track one day and like be mindful, this track didn't have drums at all. It was originally just supposed to be piano, him and like a saxophone. And I was just kind of shed into it. I was just doing a lot of different things. And I told him to come here and listen to what I was doing. And he was like, I like that. We're going to try that in the practice and see where it goes. And then like, they liked it. It was a whole different solo thing that happened. And we got to the show and then I kind of felt like that was the first time I had really soloed for real. And it actually went the way I wanted it. Cause I've soloed before, but like, it felt like, at least in those kind of months, it felt like I was just kind of chopping. Like I wasn't telling a story, like how I'm trying to do now. But that was the first one where I was like, oh, like, I feel like the crowd can understand where am I going with the solo? And then also we got to a point where as soon as I ended the solo, we're back in the music and people are like head bobbing. And that's when I knew I was like mission accomplished. Like we've accomplished everything I wanted to. We created a highlight moment and then we also are keeping the music going. So I think that was probably one of the most memorable ones other than of course opening up for your gravy because that was crazy <laughs> and i can understand why for the listeners for people that are listening uh, ej is actually a part of the same group as Dwayne baba for those of you that may not know who Dwayne baba is that means that you haven't listened to the third episode of the artist interviews so Dwayne baba and ej actually are in the same group known as bold bloom uh, so again if you haven't listened to that episode you should definitely go listen to that one and then come back to this one and it'll make a lot more sense um ej so with you being a drummer, how has drumming evolved since like when you first started performing till now? Uh, I definitely think where it's evolved is like once I actually stepped into my music director role, because like before I was just playing drums, but I wasn't really hearing everything around me. Like I had a good musical awareness of what was happening. And of course, that's what gets you paid. Like you play the gigs and you actually are aware of what everything else is happening. But I think as I begin to have more creative decisions of, okay, let's try to do transitions here. Let's try to do arrangements. Let's try to change up what we're doing. Then I realized, okay, um, I stopped trying, I guess, to kill every gig, but I actually started to try to like, let's try to attack the gig from, let's make everybody else better with what I play. So like, if it makes sense, like I'll understand now, like I'll try to see where my keyboard is going. I'll try to understand where the bass player is at and see like, can I get them to give me more because I'm doing less? 
if that makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes if a drummer is trying to kill too much and they're doing too many chops and stuff like that, other musicians will hold back because it's like, you don't want a lot of clash in what's happening. So I feel like now I'm like, I'm killing people still, but it's like subtle. It's like, I hear what he's doing in the back, but at the same time, he's not overpowering what else is happening there. So I feel like the what I'm doing now is a lot more musical in a sense. And my just definitely changed. Uh, I think I'm definitely just trying to keep the team intact. Like I'm trying to lead us somewhere. And that's the biggest thing. Now. And you have a very important job too. Uh, people sometimes just look at drummers as, oh, they're just holding the beat, but you're holding the entire performance. Mm-hmm. Because if you miss a beat, that throws off the words, that throws off the melody, yeah. that throws off every other musician that is there. You hold the base, the foundation. So it's very important. And that's why I was so excited for you to interview with me and interview with WJMS Media, because I think that sometimes drummers don't get as enough credit as they should get because mm-hmm. you all hold a lot of weight. And of yep. course, that could be opinionated. But in my opinion, I do believe that you all hold a lot of weight. So again, I thank you for interviewing today. Um, how do you engage with your fans? Or um, do you do it online? Do you do do it with live performances? How is your social media fan base? Uh, it's a little bit of both. So I typically go about like posting, like just giving people insights, I guess, on my creative process. So a lot of the stuff I post now is a lot of practice clips, honestly, of it's just me practicing to like tracks that I hear on social media that I want to do. Like, like people do challenges all the time. Like they'll post like a Terminator track type challenge and I'll put my own take on it. Or I'll just do like a song that I've been wanting to play for a minute. And like, I just show them what the process looks like of even like mess ups. I have mess ups online where like, I'll like accidentally lose a stick in a mid recording. And like, you'll see like, it's not really even a frustration thing. It's just like, dang, like <laughs> that chop didn't go the way I wanted it to. So I feel like I try to show people a lot of the real of what happens in my creative process and just like, oh, he's constantly getting better. And we see the work that's happening there. And then also like I try to post like show clips as well, just like the highlight moments, because, of course, that's what the the media wants to see. It's what's going to mm-hmm. keep you in the algorithm. You got to have the constant like crazy chop moments. But like in live performance is honestly my most favorite because I feel like that's when you actually get to see the human side, I guess, like who I actually am as a character and like stuff like that. Because once you get done with the drumming, like it's cool that everybody gets to come up and like they bless you with compliments and shake your hand. It's like, yo, you're so dope and all that stuff. But it's like, yo, like at the same time, I hope they also see like he's just a cool dude. Like he's not a a douchebag. He's like going to like talk to me as if he's just a regular person as well. Like there's nothing that separates him just because he was a performer right before. So I think that's really the the best time for me is connecting with people at the live performances and just like learning who they are. Are they musicians as well? How can we connect and uh, just follow them back? Yeah. Are there any specific albums or tracks from this genre or any genre that have been particularly influential to you? Any albums or tracks that have been influential. So let's say you listen to a song and I know kind of back, going back to Dwayne Baba, how that song you were able to get the crowd to engage and mm-hmm. you're able to follow him through the music. That way it was, um, it was there, you were able to flow. So yeah. let's say there's any type of album, let's say it's on a Michael Jackson album or a Prince album or anything like that. And you're like, those drums, I like those drums. And this has influenced me to be the person that I am today. Do you have any music like that? Oh yeah, I got you. So Definitely the, I can tell you two albums that changed my perspective on drumming forever. 
It is Ty Tribbett's Victory album from like 2004 that features one of my like all-time favorite drummers, Spanky McCurdy. He's a beast. It's the first time I heard a drummer play gospel music, but it wasn't like traditional, like the old school church roots. Like it was real complicated. It was like he's throwing in R&B stuff into a gospel groove. And he had a whole different take on it that I'd never heard before. And since that day, I was like, okay, I want to be that. <laughs> and then the next one was Israel Newbreed. He did another album, surprisingly, the next year in 2005 that I still have on DVD to this day. I'll go back and watch it. And uh, it features a drummer named Chris Coleman. And he had a take on it that, like, he brought a little bit of every genre into one, like, gospel mix as well. Like, he was doing Latin. He was doing samba. He was doing jazz. And I'm like, how is he able to have so much music knowledge? And then it was also also showing he wasn't taken away from the music, but because of how good he was able to blend in and also have his highlight moments, he essentially made the album with his own drumming. Mm-hmm. So I think those are definitely two main albums of like, I'm like, yo, I go back and listen to those and like play some too, just to like see if I can re create what they were doing and also like implement my own stuff within their style as well um but yeah that's two main ones and then of course a lot of d'angelo stuff too if you listen back to any of the early d'angelo albums of quest loves like takes on it he pretty much set us up for what we have now a lot of him and chris daddy dave stuff so like a lot of that boom back um kind of crazy off timing drumming that you hear that's like really Mm -hmm. like seven eight really like off it sounds off but it's also on beat mm-hmm. i think uh, that's a lot of stuff i listen to now as well and those beats are different too because sometimes it takes you a little minute to catch the beat mm-hmm. and then i think those type of beats are the beats that you have to realize that it's not about you catching it it's about you flowing with it exactly. <laughs> so i think it's a difference so this is a weird but curious question and okay so you know how people have writer's block yeah do you ever have drummer's block i don't even know if that's the yeah. correct terminology <laughs> i mean it's whatever you want to call it but it's a real thing like there's moments like i i had it probably just about two months ago where it's mm-hmm. like you're playing gigs and you're playing like you're recording you're doing everything you're still playing but like you're not creating new stuff like you're hearing a lot of the same stuff you're playing every time you listen back to it and you're like i keep playing the same chops or i keep taking the song to the same place i keep doing the same stuff over it and it's like you don't ever want to get to a place where as a drummer at least i think that you don't have enough stuff in your bag you don't have enough tools and different things that you can pull out of it that you can give the listener a different take of yourself every time like i think my main goal really now is like i don't want to play the same show over and over and over like i want something to be different about every show i play and every person be like man he's really like taking it to the next level every time we hear him like he's trying to give us something different so i think the biggest thing really if you hear that if you get into that block mindset as a drummer or a musician in general it really just means go back to the drawing board it's something that you're not doing basics wise that you didn't learn that's not allowing you to open the bag a little more or you're just not you know opening yourself to maybe new styles you haven't tried yet so i think that's been my biggest thing anytime i end up in that like okay I'm playing a lot of the same stuff. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. I need to practice. Like, let me go back to the drawing board and figure something out and then come with something different. That's cool. Do you have a specific beat that you think is very creative to you or unique to you, like your own unique EJ style? 
Oh, uh, yeah. When you hear that beat, it's like, I've heard it before, but the way that I deliver it is different. Definitely. It's, uh, yeah, I got it from Speaker McCurdy. He, he has this weird, like, off time and beat stuff that he does with his ride. Someone it's a lot across his tom. So, like, it's, I wish I could, I was one of those people that can speak drum. They'd be like, but I can't do that. But, like, basically, essentially, the way it happens is, like, it sounds like I'm kind of playing an off timing, like, but at the same time, I'm on the ride. And then I start kind of off timing it and it starts mm-hmm. to get a little weird, but it's still like here, like you're mm-hmm. still able to bob your head, but he's like, what is he doing? He's getting really complicated with it. So I kind of stole it from him. And then I kind of put my own take on it of making it more complicated with like my rudiments. So like, as I'm going across the times, I'm doing like diddles and doubles over it. So it sounds like way more like, how is he pulling off what he's pulling off? And then it just looks crazy as well. Like for showmanship, it's like, yo, what is he doing? He's got like, his hands are like, everywhere right now but like i'm still like playing it sounds like just a regular rhythm though at the same time like it could still if you weren't like so focused on what i'm doing you're like oh he's just like he's playing a really complicated beat but it's still like that's just the song itself you know so i think that's definitely probably one of the ones i'm most proud of right now and i probably do bring out of the bag a lot too that i also hear in gigs so why i have to go back to the drum board because <laughs> it's like it's one of my best ones but like you need something better mm-hmm. yeah so who would you want to collab with? And it doesn't have to be another drummer. It could just be an artist like, hey, I, I want to work with this person. I want to be on stage with this person. Or it can be, let's say, top three. Hmm. Uh, in the shows area, I've gotten lucky enough to play with a lot of people I've wanted to play before. But I think right now I am definitely want to work with Eli Hannon. He's a kid around here that's coming up. Like, he's really talented. Uh, he's kind of like a Jacob Collier type. Like the dude is a beast of a pianist, but he can also sing. Like he was the first time I've heard like he sings PJ Morton, like PJ Morton, but then he still has his own style. And I'm like, this dude is different. So I'm trying to collab with him for sure. Okay. Uh, definitely get on a gig with him. Uh, Ali Ginger, really great singer as well. She has a lot Very of soul. Um, I love what she could do. I always wanted to get on one of her gigs as well. And just hear like how I would interpret her music because I think she has a lot of groovy stuff and she also plays a lot of similar R&B stuff that I listen to as well. So I would love to do a gig with her and collab just in the studio in general. And then let me see, who who else is in the three? Who else would I want to collab with? Um, I'm going to say my own brother, Nick, right now. I'm going to say Nick Glaze because Nick, I think, has a lot of... we've we've actually cooked up a lot of stuff in the stew, but we haven't like ever finished a beat. We haven't ever like done a finished product of something. And I really think if we put our both, cause he, you know, he comes from a marching band background too, which hopefully future viewers, when they watch Nick Glaze's episode, he'll talk about it probably. So he has a drummer's mindset as well. I feel like if we came together and did a beat pack, it would be some of the most complicated <laughs> drum takes there is, but it, like, it would be also like really impressive and really cool to see him. So Definitely Nate Glaze, man. I'm trying to see my boy get out there and uh, just put some more music out and hopefully I can be a part of it as well. And that's sweet. And that's the crazy part because I interview him tomorrow, <laughs> even though that episode won't be until yeah. a week from now. But um, can you talk about your failures or setbacks in your career and how you bounce back from them? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, how do you define failure? But I think I've definitely had a lot of setbacks of, I started 
like I think my biggest thing is I never truly gave drums its full like commitment it needed early on as a kid because I was like you're a kid you try to do other things you try to do sports like I was big in basketball football and track like I always thought like ball was life in high school so like I guess I don't call it a regret because like everything happens for a reason but I guess mm -hmm. if I had to have one my biggest thing is I didn't go back during that time and really like honing in like knowing that like oh this is your passion this is your gift from God what you were called to do like I feel like there was so much more work I could have did then that would have me ahead of the game now of where I'm at as far as my talent so I think that's probably a kind of big setback but just knowing like it's being honest with yourself and knowing the competition now like people you're seeing people did the work back then like when you're a kid and being honest like you have so much time on your hands that you don't realize you have that you can really like put into your craft so that's how you're seeing these kids now on the internet they're all like prodigies it is why because they're making use of their time the time that I spent doing video games and like doing all these other stuff they were in the crib they were they were learning their instruments they were doing different things and now you see the work pays off and it's like we're the same age but like bros on tour you know what I'm saying so like it's like I can't even be mad because I'm a big thing of like you get what you put into it and just knowing like the work that you continue to put in like it'll eventually like pay off so I think the biggest thing now is just like as far as setbacks it's not even a setback it's just you just got to work harder but because you didn't do the work you did back then, like you're a little more here. Your level is just it's just different. It's different levels. Um, and then I guess early on, I guess I don't know how I could have did a better job of connecting with the shows area earlier. I guess when I got here, like as a freshman, because like I got here as a freshman and like I just thought I was going to be in church the whole time, really. Like I didn't expect myself to really ever go into the R&B scene and do other different things and stuff like that, just because I've been a church kid my whole life. So I don't know. I could have made different connections probably there as well and then try to use my connections in the studio and try to further my name along like I am trying to now. But uh, I think that would be probably my two biggest things, really. Okay. And you also have to keep in, in mind that everyone's journey is different. So mm -hmm. even though you may have been outside where they were out there learning and that's why they're more advanced now, who's to say that when you were outside playing, that was building your character? Because I feel like everyone is still learning things, whether it's, you know, what you intended to learn or whether it was just something along the way. But who's to say that that didn't help with your character? It could have created you to be the young man that you are today. And now that you have those characteristics of manners and, you know, mannerism and things like that, now you're able to understand and develop a little bit better now. Because who's to say you would have grasped that information back then like they did, you know? So oh, I think that everything happens the way it's supposed to, like you were saying. Maybe at that given time, it was just like, not right now, but you're gonna get there. Yeah. And you're phenomenal. So imagine when you, as you continue to work on yourself, it's gonna get better. And I, I honestly believe that. So with your family and friends, how have they supported or influenced your music career? I, I honestly think I've had the greatest support system. Of course, like the only time I think I ever questioned like, where did like my family at least think I was going to go with music was probably like it was it was high school I had gotten pretty acquainted in the church scene of things down in Birmingham and I was starting to kind of make a name for myself and I think I got my first opportunity to ever do like secular gigs and like possibly like maybe have a tour opportunity and my parents was like yeah I think I'm 17 at the time and I, I haven't ever been in that scene of things and like seen stuff like that yet and they was like uh no <laughs> so 
you know, 17-year-old you was like, I don't understand. You're blocking the dream. What is, why are you doing that? You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, it's like you said, I didn't have the, the men, the, the character yet, at least, or the, what is the word I'm looking for? I wasn't growing up enough yet. The mindset? Exactly. I didn't, I didn't know what, <laughs> yeah, what I was going to get into or like I hadn't matured. That's the word. I hadn't matured yet, at least. Okay in the business part of it, knowing myself as a human, like how to operate in different club scenes and stuff like that. Like, you gotta think I would have been in areas where I can't even drink legally. You know what I'm saying? Like there's stuff I couldn't have, but I may have been around that could have got me into some trouble. So like, it was only them like just trying to watch out for my development still as as a kid growing up into an adult. And, um, but otherwise than that, it's been nothing of support. Like anything I do music wise, Especially like my fiance now, Zaria is all for it. I know she'd be dealing with the crazy schedules of all the rehearsals and recording sessions, and I got a show here and I got to do this here, and she's willing to take the ride with me and ride out. So uh, I mean, that's really the the most important person. As long as she's good and she's cool with what I'm doing, I I, it, I can't fail. So I think I got a great support system right now. Of course, my brothers as well in bloom. I mean, when you're making music with your brothers and they support everything you do. It makes things easier. So I, I think I got a good thing going right now. So besides family and friends, what are some things that personally motivate you to continue your career? Um, I think it's like the little wins, the little wins you take, like you can see the progression. I get excited off of like seeing the work pay off because I'm I keep saying I'm like I'm a big thing of you only get what you put into it. So I think the moment I start to see the progression or things start to get easier with what I'm playing and I'm accomplishing more. I'm trying more stuff. I'm getting more creative in different backgrounds of things. And then um, just getting more different gig opportunities. When I realize people, um, I think my biggest thing is I'm like, if people don't think I can play different styles, not necessarily that I'm offended, but it's like, I want to be able to be considered a versatile drummer. I guess you could say that can do all things. Like, I don't want to be just a, oh, he's a gospel chop. Like, mm -hmm. he plays only that type of drum, styles of drums, stuff like that. Like, I want to be able to, like, hey, he can play pop. He can play rap. He can play R&B. He can play jazz. He can play country music for all I care. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I can do that. I can do any of the styles. Um, so I think it's just really just taking the wins of watching my progression, honestly, and just seeing where it's going. And just, like, it only motivates me more because I'm like, yo, okay. I checked that off. I got that mm -hmm. learned. I, I'm here. But like at the same time, I also have a lot of motivation from Instagram and constantly watching like my my peers and like just my idols in general and seeing what they're accomplishing. I'm like, yo, like I can do that too. So like just keep working, honestly. So that, that leads me up to my next question. How do you handle the pressures and expectations that come along with the public eye? Um, That's a very interesting question because it's like, I feel like people see the talent of what you're doing and they, they automatically like, they keep telling you, you're on your way. Like, it's only bound to happen. Like you're you're about to like, you, you definitely got the talent to do it. So like at times it can kind of be like, not discouraging in a way, but it's like, yo, I have the, the talent and the gift. Why haven't it, why hasn't it happened yet? Or why haven't I gotten the chance to do something more upper scale? So I think it's definitely like a, a little bit of pressure of you don't want to, be considered fall like you fell off or anything like that or like that you're not moving or constantly trending towards oh he's gonna make it out like he's gonna definitely go on and do the next big thing and just understanding like hey 
life is a real thing. We all got things going on. We all still got to work regular jobs until, you know, maybe that opportunity does come. And while you're still waiting, you can still be working as well on your craft. And like, because maybe what you got now isn't good enough for maybe what God is actually planning for you. You know what I'm saying? Like there could be a gig that, oh, you're thinking maybe I might just have this gig and I'm good enough for this one. But he's like, nah, maybe I want you to even have an even higher level gig. Maybe there's something that you need to be actually aiming towards. and You need to have your craft ready for that style and for that mm-hmm. type of gig. You're not there yet. Until you are, I won't open that door for you. So I kind of like that's how I feel. Like I feel like maybe I'm still in prep. Maybe there's still stuff like I'm still buying gear now. I'm still learning about different technologies and mixing and different triggers and electronic drum things I'm doing now and customizing my kit because I'm like, oh, I'm watching my my idols and I'm like, they have all this complicated stuff learned to a T. And I'm like, I got to have that same knowledge of stuff. There's still stuff I haven't learned yet that I need to know. So when I do get that opportunity, I'm not clueless or at least I have enough knowledge to, okay, he knows what he's doing, but we also want to continue to teach him as well because he he seems well-versed and he wants to learn. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. What's the most meaningful compliment or feedback that you've received after a performance? Um, when people don't talk about the soloing, like when it's like, when they come to me and it's like, yo, like you truly have a great feel for music. Like you actually are listening and they actually see how I'm transitioning stuff and leaving stuff. Like anytime they give you like, it's stuff that's strictly music compliments. Like it's like, oh, you're really like interpreting the music and taking it to a different level. That's when I like get like, I think I'm like, yo, that's really cool. Cause they like actually see me as a musician, not just a drummer itself. They're like, you're actually creating art in what you're doing. And there's like a, there's something more complicated to what you're doing. You're not just trying to do crazy stuff. Like you're actually, you have a process. You're actually thinking what you're doing. And really, I think the biggest compliments honestly come from like my OGs or anybody that's like an old, older head type. Cause like they're truly listening for that type of stuff. They don't care about the, can you play these fast chops on that stuff? And on like, they want to hear like, okay, is he actually playing the beat? Is he actually playing the groove? How locked is he with the bass player? Is he truly within the groove of the music? And like, where does he go? And like, I will want to have this cat on my gigs. I think the funniest part is now, like you look at Bloom, we're a bunch of young guys, but like, I've been doing a lot of like gigs with a lot of older people. So like they, the joke is like, yo, all the OGs that we look up to, they like have grabbed you and now they're like, yo, he can come with us, but not y'all. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's a funny, like, joke we make, but it's like, yo, that is really cool. The fact that they respect what I'm doing and they see the work that I'm doing to, like, be on that level. They're like, hey, he's, like, real deal about what he what he's talking about. And he actually, like, respects the music. Yeah. So are there any or is there anything that you feel like you are getting discredited for that you should be getting credit for? Personally... Yeah. Like personal, as a personal musician or just as a musician, period? Um, I mean, I think it's a lot of talk actually happening of it now that people actually now know that I do a lot of the music directing for the stuff. I just don't think people actually know that's what my job is. I think people just think I'm like just a drummer. But like, if you look like a lot of the cues, a lot of the stuff that's happened music wise, if if Demario wants something to happen on stage and he looks at me, I'm the instant like, okay, this is what we got to make happen quick on site. So I, I think that's probably just the the most di- discredited part, but I just don't think people know. 
that's like what my actual job is. And usually people are used to like keyboard players and like bass players being the MDs of bands. Mm-hmm. Like it's not usually your drummer because your drummer usually is doing so much himself that he doesn't really have time to be like, I need you to change the chord to this and this and this, you know what I'm saying? So like, I think it's really a testament of at least the prep that I try to do in rehearsals so that when we get to the stage time, I really don't have to do as much talking. People already have an expectation of what I expect from them and how I expect them to adapt to the music and what's happening. So like, it was like, hey, I need you to quiet down. I feel like I already have a look or a sense of where I'm going with the music as well that they already know like, all right, he needs us to like, let's bring it here and let's actually focus on on whose solo time it is. So I think that's probably the biggest thing I get discredited for or probably my in and out shops. I think that's it. I think people don't talk enough about like the like soloing is the only time I think people think I really chop for real, but like there's a lot of in and out stuff I'm doing that like it's real quick stuff. But like if you catch it, you're like, oh, this dude just like kind of snapping at the same time. So that's probably the only two things. Okay, so let's break it down. So with being a music director, so you're on stage, uh, one of the artists' journal looks at you, he needs you to do something, he gives you a signal that you understand, and now you have to give that message to the rest of the musicians that are with you. Yeah. You're in mid drumming. Yeah. And you still have to get that message to them. How are you gonna do that? I need to know a story time or how this has happened. Uh let's see. Funny fail story actually. It's a fail. Um the first real time it happened was we had a show for Carver Commodore. It's probably one of the first big shows we played as well. Um and we were doing pretty brown eyes by mid condition. However, we had made it different where the the beginning part the dun pretty dun we made it a solo so like the whole time like we just kept it going and i'm like doing the drum stuff over it. it gets crazy however it can happen if you don't have a drummer's mind sometimes which demario is a very drummer's mind oriented but this day he counted it off wrong. <laughs> he counted it off wrong so like i'm in mid solo and i'm not i haven't landed back on the one yet the way he counted it like he counted it where he was like, bring us in. But like at the same time, I'm still in mid chop. And I'm like, I can't land us where we're going to land. So like, it was kind of an awkward, like, ooh, we didn't land where it was. And I'm still kind of chopping. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to just bring it down here and then look at everybody and then give us a, I'm about to bring us back in and then make it happen. But now I, I have a system kind of like, I know it, it's funny, you know, with your musicians on stage, you know, who's really listening or like you know tendencies at least of like what's happening in music like i understand that if i'm playing with john me and john are going to be here all times just because drums and bass usually that's how it goes but john also is usually like the closest person to me on stage and if anybody's going to get it i'm like john is going to know where i'm going so typically i know john is looking at me at all times just because i do complicated stuff and he wants to be on the same page so like i'll look at john i'll be like john this is where we're probably about to go and then I also have hand signals that I've developed to make it easier on myself. If mid groove where I'll throw up, I have one, two, three, four. I know what I'm gonna throw up, and the rest of the band can catch it as well. So I know if I looking at John, John catches the signal. John has all the true notes and chords stuff that's happening that he'll at least be able to communicate to anybody else on that tip. We're changing. But at the same time, also this represents all right, we have three hits here, and we're also going to the stab here. And everybody's still locked in and watching what is happening. So I've kind of just developed a communication system that I know 
if John is listening and at least I have one of our keyboard players looking this way, like I set up the stage plot to be, you're looking at me. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. don't look at what he's doing. Like, you need to be aware of what, what of course, our singer or rapper is doing. But at the same time, that's my job. I'll be in the know at all, at all times. I just need you to interpret the music and keep doing what you're doing. And then when it's time to actually get to where we need to go, just look at me. I'll lend this to Promise Land. We'll be all right. So I think that's kind of how I go about it now. It's, it's really working really well. And hopefully, we'll probably Im- implement talkback mics and it'll make it a lot easier because then I could just, hey, we're going here. <laughs> and like, they'll instantly hear it in their ears. So mm-hmm. that's probably the next big thing. That's cool. So you do have a mic up there and they have an earpiece where they can hear you? Yeah, so we're, we've been implementing that in. But uh, for now, at least on gigs, that like it gets a little complicated as far as like setting all that up. We don't usually use one. Then it's just like it's a lot of, hey, <laughs> I need you to know we're going here. We're doing this here. And also we're about to end. So let's let's get out of there. So it's just trusting your band and all the work you've done in practice that you keep developing like, hey, this is stuff I wasn't going to do here. Or it's even like not even within just you talking like you can they can recognize a lot of the drum stuff you do as you play more as a band it's like oh if he plays this chop here typically that means he's leading us into the next phrase or if he does a slow down here oh he's trying to bring the song to an end like he's trying to get us out of there so i just think the band has done a great job of just gelling together and also recognizing where each other wants to go with stuff and knowing like all right this is a cue that i probably should be aware of i'm gonna see where he's trying to go with it so i think we're, we're on a good page at that point how would you like to be remembered as an artist and what legacy do you hope to leave behind um definitely i want to be remembered as a drummer that pushed the bounds of timing and in and out chops i definitely want to be remembered as a guy that kind of pushes that envelope a little differently and really created his own style with it um i also want to be remembered as a guy that as clean as possible. Like he sounds so clean that like, if I went live on Instagram and I'm playing a show, they would think it's the real track and I get copyrighted for it. And I would take that as a W. I know it sounds funny, but like it happens before. Like I got an idol right now, CJ, he's on the Charlie Pooh tour. And kid you not, every time he tries to do a live or something like that, like the copyright people will take the post down just because he sounds so much like the album. It's actually quite crazy. But it's like, yo, it's just CJ, but he sounds like the album. So I definitely want to be remembered as a guy that's like, yo, this dude is like on his P's and Q's. He doesn't miss anything in the song. Like everything is to a T and be a real perfectionist. And then as a music director and a musician, like I want, there's other stuff I want to learn. I want to become a better keys player and eventually like do more arrangements of like live stuff that we can implement into our shows instead of having to like, now I really have to just like um, talk it out to people because sometimes I can't play it for them or I don't know what I want to actually do. So it's a lot of, it makes the communication a little harder sometimes, but like we have such great musicians that typically I can say something and they already like can give me an interpretation of it. And then I just like, all right, not that, but then change it to here. So just becoming a better musician and uh, understanding better music knowledge and theory and stuff like that. So just that I can be the best communicator possible as a music director and then just in general, just be able to create my own music, really, in a sense. I like that. That was very straightforward and clean cut. Where can the listeners follow you? Uh, they can follow me on the one IG page I have now. <laughs> I used to have two. I had a personal and I had a music page that I was doing a lot of stuff on. 
it was doing well, but it got hacked. Um, RIP to that page. We was doing mm-hmm. so well. But you can follow me on EJ Powell. IG is just EJ Powell with four L's. So uh, EJ P O W E L L L L. Yeah. So I mean, they'll see a lot, a lot of personal stuff on there, but I'm doing a lot more uh, posting of like drum stuff I'm doing now. I actually got a session on Sunday that I'm like hoping to create like probably maybe two months worth of content on. So I'm hoping to get a lot of stuff out in uh within November and December and then also do another session again and probably get some stuff out for early 2024. So yeah, that's where they can find a lot of my stuff yet. Um if you want to hear anything I played, um you can hear me on the new Baba EP. I don't know if he probably promote that as well. Uh, about time definitely go listen to that um me and the prologue which is the the backing man we play for we're on that on what is love and then um also funny story i have a singing credit on journal's album uh oh. new album he put out if you listen to till she comes back i have a background oh. as well so, so now we need to change it to dj <laughs> drummer musician music director and singer oh, no, okay no, no. Nah, nah, Look, just, we just nah. talked about small wins. That's a small W. <laughs> a win is a win. Isn't that what we say? A win. Yeah, it is a win. We'll take it. We'll take it. If they thought it sounded good, so that's all I'm I'm glad about. My parents don't believe it still to this day because they believe I have the voice of a cow. But hey, it, it sounded good to me and journal put it on the album, so I appreciate it. <laughs> well, I'm gonna have to take a listen. But EJ, I really appreciate you. We as WJMS Media appreciate you for taking the time to interview with us and i wish you the best on your future endeavors for those of you listening stick around as we're going to drop some tracks from ej and again ej thank you and you have a good day thank you i really appreciate it and thanks for having me
Thanks for listening to WJMS Media, where media is reimagined. You can check us out on our Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok. Also check out our website at www.wjmsradio.com. And we also have a newsletter so you can subscribe and be up to date on everything.